It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 337 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, May 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You, of course, can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. you got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd. Locked on NBA with David Locke, and then a whole bunch of other hosts who host daily shows on that podcast. And you can find them all together, neatly organized for your listening pleasure on the Locked on NBA iTunes channel. Uh, It's a great resource for all the local angles and all the stories around the league. If you want to hear about the Rockets or the Warriors or the Cavs or the Celtics, find the corresponding Locked on show and uh, get some conference finals talk into your ears. And uh, if you find a host that you like and dig and want to support, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes to their shows. It's uh, the best way to support all the shows. It's uh, very easy. And if you do that for Locked On Raptors, I will be forever indebted to you. It's very easy. It takes five seconds. Uh, it's free to do. Um, just go on there, fire up the iTunes login, whatever, and uh, just leave a nice few words and five stars. It's very helpful. Uh, and thanks in advance for doing that. All right, on today's show, we are continuing our postseason player reviews. Uh, we started yesterday with OG Ananobi. It was very happy, a jubilant occasion with Matt Schantz. It was a good time. It's about to get sad, though, because uh, we are going to the absolute opposite end of the spectrum for today's episode. And to join me to talk about the 2017-18 season of Serge Ibaka, it's my co-host on the Hoop Talks podcast. It's Mitch Robson. How's it going, man? What up, what up? Oh, you're at the score now, too. I always forget that. How's score life treating you? Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I uh, I live five minutes away, so I can't complain. You are one of uh, I've never had a score employee on this podcast before. Actually, it's uh, wow. it's a brand new thing. I'm breaking <laughs> a barrier. No, not not quite. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're gonna talk about Serge Ibaka. So we're probably gonna get nice and sad here. We'll just kind of dive into his regular season and his playoffs and stuff that he did well. Well, that'll be probably shorter than the stuff he did do very well. <laughs> and I think probably the main thing with Serge is kind of looking ahead to the future and what he's actually going to you know, be and contribute to the team and whether or not his contract is movable. All that really fun, not at all sad discussion of Serge Ibaka, who just like, I don't know, 13, 14, 16 months ago when the Raptors traded for him, that's probably more accurate. It was very exciting. It was a positive experience. Everyone was happy. Everyone was feeling it. Everyone figured that like Terrence Ross in a first-round pick was more than enough to give up to, or the perfect amount to give up for Serge Ibaka, a guy who filled the hole at the power forward spot that the Raptors have had since Chris Bosh left. And this season, it didn't go quite as well. So just to sort of recap his year, uh, he played 76 games, started all 76, 12.6 points, 6.3 boards, uh, 1.3 blocks, 0.8 assists. He shot... 36% from three, uh, which feels kind of low, but it uh, feel, feels kind of high, actually, but that's, uh, I guess you'll take it. His lowest three-point percentage since 2012-13, actually. 
Uh, actually, that's a lie. 2015-16, he shot 32%. But either way, not one of his better shooting seasons in recent years. And, um, yeah, just like generally kind of was just kind of going through it all season long, I guess. Uh, Mitch, though, it wasn't all bad. There were some good things. There was there was game one against the Wizards. <laughs> there was like, you know, there, I think he played well. Did they in one game against the Cavs? Didn't he play pretty well? Um, I know he missed the first game against the Cavs. Yeah, there won. was the, it was a home game against one of the, the better teams. It was either the Cavs, or like maybe the Rockets or something. I don't know, but he played well in one big game. Yeah, well, he had that. a stretch. He did have a stretch. Pretty much his entire December was really good. Um, <laughs> it was though. Like he was like kind of iffy to start the year. He had a nice second game of the year. He had like twenty one points on seven to twelve shooting against the the Sixers. He was a plus twenty three in that game. Um, and then kind of like the rest of the team, he kind of went through it on that road trip a little bit, uh, like the season opening road trip. He wasn't bad. Like, he was fine. He put up some numbers, had a couple of nice shooting nights, not really any glaringly awful shooting nights aside from one 2 of 8 night, but um, that was against uh, the Wizards. But, like, it just it never really kind of clicked. And, it, like, the starting five struggled until OG got inserted into the starting five. And then that was around the time where Serge kind of found his mojo a little bit again. And to the start of December, I mean, just a run of games. 15 points, 19 points, 21, 20, 17, 21, 18, 24. Um, like, he's, he cracked double digits in every game that month except for one. And oh yeah, Before you continue, the, the that streak of games against the Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, Suns, <laughs> Nets, and Hornets. Fair. Fair points all, um, but, like, he shot well in those games. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't think he, he was pretty good in that month. Like, he was useful. He, you know, he had to chase down be. blocks. He had a six-block game uh, against the Nets. Like, he like he was active and spry. It was actually kind of in line with the time where he missed a few games with that uh, knee soreness or whatever the hell that was. He missed, like, three or four games because of that. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I thought he was like kind of figuring it out, and then January came around, and it just kind of tailed off a little bit. And there weren't that many very good games. He had a couple stretches here and there, but it never really strung together like a couple good weeks or a good month again. And by the end of the season, I was like kind of questioning what he was going to be able to do come playoff time because he just didn't look right. He, you know, the Raptors didn't really rest him down the stretch, stretch except for one game against Detroit. And I thought, like, they should have been sitting him, like, every other game because he just, like, didn't look like he had the legs. He didn't look like he had the bounce. Um, but, but then he comes out to start the playoffs in game one. And, like, here's the thing that I liked about Serge's season is that he, he did enough to keep me believing that he was going to be fine come playoff time because, like, he did this kind of last year and has always just been a very good playoff player. And even last year against the Bucks, like, you could argue – he was probably the best Raptors player in that series start to finish. Like, he was excellent, and, like, everything he did between defending Giannis and shooting threes and not making dumb decisions with the ball, like, it all kind of worked, and it, it seemed like the guy that the Raptors were missing. And, like, it, it was a shame that Kyle Lowry wasn't totally right in those playoffs, and that kind of sucked any sort of life away from that starting five or, or just sort of the chemistry that he might have been able to build with Serge. But, like, coming into this year, I, I kind of had high hopes, and then... You know, game one against the Wizards happens again. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's just been waiting. Like, he doesn't really care about the regular season. He's a guy who's been in some wars and doesn't really, you know, want to play the the Nuggets on a Wednesday, um, and is instead sort of preserving himself for the playoffs. And then he goes 23 and 12 on eight of 11 shooting, three or four from deep, um, two blocks in that game one against the Wizards. And it was like, all right, Serge is here. And then 
He was pretty good again in Game 2, despite not uh, a great shooting night, but he was excellent defensively, if I recall, and he was on the floor in that fourth-quarter run where they went small around Surge, and it was, they like completely blew open the game in the fourth. And then after that, he just disappeared. And that was kind of the story of Surge's playoffs, right? Like that After that, he was just nothing, and he ended up losing his job a little bit. Uh, didn't start in game uh, three against the Cavs. Ultimately, that was like his best game, best second best game of the playoffs, oddly enough. But I don't know. The, the good stuff definitely was outweighed by the bad. But was there anything good that you saw from Surge this season, aside from like a couple games here and there? Like was, what did he do to sort of... I don't know. If there's reason for hope for Surge going forward, what is it? He's very much like a significant other that just consistently lets you down <laughs> for multiple things, but then just does enough right to keep you hanging on. Like, ends up doing something really nice for your birthday and getting your friends, like, on a surprise party. Cooks or, you a nice meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just, whenever you're on the ropes and you're about to say, I'm out on you, this is, needs to be done, he comes in. Gives you a pretty decent performance, plays solid defense, knocks down some big threes late in the game, and you're like, all right, this is the guy that we loved, this is the guy that we traded for, this is who we want. And then he finally cratered in the playoffs and just missed all of your dates and stopped texting you. And <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really know if there's a sense to rebound here because the public has got to be so out on him and I, I he's gotta be down on himself, no? Like Yeah. You've got. I don't know how in in that final game he had 18 minutes. Like, how do you come back after the next summer and be like, I'm unless you have a drastic overhaul. I don't really know what's going to change for him. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I think the issues that Surge presents are kind of sort of core to why people I think are probably going to be pretty upset when the core is run back for next season. Like, DeMar and Kyle, like, we've talked about their limitations to death on this podcast, but Serge was always supposed to be that guy who could kind of raise the ceiling of those guys and sort of just make it a, a bit more of a potent unit, and it just, he wasn't that guy. He was supposed to be the third best player on this team. He's paid as such, and you could argue that he was, like, the seventh or eighth best player on this team, maybe even worse at times. Like, it just never really yeah. came together. The thing is... Like, Serge, on his good nights, is the third best player on the team. And, like, you can see when he's clicking just sort of how much the Raptors work. And, you know, the, the things that he does are stuff that you still want from a big man. Like, he's still a good shooter. As much as he was cold in the playoffs, like, I, I trust the full season sample. Like, he's still a 36% three-point shooter. He still hits that mid-range jumper. And, like, that was kind of a nice weapon for him in a couple of the games in the playoffs. And the short roll, when, you know, teams would send extra attention, they would trap Damar and Kyle. You know, Serge was able to hit that, you know, 18-footer with pretty, you know, regular consistency, which was nice. And, like, that's a nice little weapon to have. And he even kind of, I thought at times improved as a passer this season as well. Like he, he's not great, and I think a big reason why 
he in game two of the Cavs series completely lost his job and was forced to the bench and got benched in the second half. Like a big reason for that was whenever the ball came to him, he just had no idea what to do with it. He would get it. He would just sort of stand there. It would be glued to his hands for 20 seconds and he wouldn't be able to make a play. And that ultimately like you need to have some sort of playmaking from your bigs, especially on a team, you know, helmed by Kyle and DeMar who receive a lot of attention come playoff time. Um, and just in a situation against the Cavs where you're going to have weaknesses exposed. And, like, it just, he, as much as I say he improved as a passer, there were still 34 games this year where he didn't have a single assist. And like that, I mean, he couldn't that, even catch the ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he had the Biombo hand sometimes. It was exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It, and it got to the point where it's just like, why is this guy even playing at all? Like, why? Mm. And, I mean, Dwayne's kind of hamstrung for options, but, like, I think you almost had to like pull him out of those games earlier, and I know you don't. It's it's easy to say that revisionist history, but like, I don't know. Would putting a Siakam in there from the, the get go would it have been any worse? I don't know. Well, that's the thing is that Serge is the only guy among the big man group who provides both offense and defense, right? Like. Jonas was a better defender this season, but we saw the limitations of the defense you have to craft around him against the Cavs, and he just wasn't right. a good good defensive option in that series. Um, Pascal is a, a terrifying defender and like just screams up and down the court, but his half-court game is still something, at least something to be desired, right? And there's still some work to mm-hmm. be done there, and the fact that he can't shoot is a problem, and teams treated him as such. And, like, Jakob Pertl, for some reason, forgot how to play entirely in the playoffs. He had a couple nice games here and there, a couple nice nice halves here and there, but overall, like, he doesn't have enough offensive juice, I don't think, and, frankly, not enough defense in the playoffs either to keep him out there. And, like, Serge... Like it, like it's like you were saying. Like he does enough from time to time to make you sort of not only be sort of yeah, not only believe, but also feel like you kind of depend on it because he is you know on a team that lacks a lot of two way options. The fully engaged, like not even like Oklahoma City surge, like just like even regular season surge this year, he was fine. Like he wasn't great by any means, but he also was fine. And like fine surge is pretty much all I think the Raptors needed, but. When he's a complete liability on both ends, you are really strapped for options because he's your only two-way guy. He sort of papers over a lot of things, and lineups featuring him, as much as he was an issue at times this year, like a lot of the lineups with him in them were still among the best Raptors looks. Like the Siakam-Abaka front court barely played, but it was effective, and it was what kind of got the Raptors back into Game Three. And like the the starting five with Abaka in there, like it was one of the better start five-man units in the entire NBA this season. Once OG came in there. Um, so like as much as he provides just like nightly anguish when he does dumb shit, like he is very vital to what the Raptors want to do. And just when you get absolutely nothing from him, you're really hamstrung because the roster, I just don't think a was just like old enough and experienced and developed enough to sort of paper over the holes that surge being an absolute zero sort of present. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where you're stuck at now is with the, the, the way the cap situation is, there's no easy way to kind of pivot away from him being a crucial part of this team if they want to make another playoff run. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what you need to do. I like, do you just try to unload him? But then you're going to have to give away assets. And with the way this team's kind of barren for assets now that aren't actual physical players, you really have no easy way to unload him and create any kind of flexibility. So you're just kind of hoping to buy in that he resembles any kind of consistent form, whether that's you don't expect him, like you said, to be at that peak like he was in a game one against the Wizards where he's getting 24 and 12, but just a consistent product where you know you're going to get the 
couple threes, the couple blocks, the rebounding, at least like passing it within the flow of the offense every night. Yeah, and I thought like his defense this season was pretty good. I'll give him that. Like there were nights where it wasn't there, but like I thought overall, like he had those chase down blocks, and like those were usually a telltale sign of whether or not he was going to have a good game. Um, and like even in the playoffs, he had four blocks in game three against the Cavs. He had five in games one and two combined uh, against the Wizards. Like he had nights where you could kind of see the old surge, right? And like sort of what makes him a useful player and sort of a perfect big to have in this in, in the NBA. Yeah. I also think, I don't know, I feel like with some time and maybe just like improved rebounding chops from the like of you know Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, for example, like I do think the surge at five thing can work. It didn't really work this season because I just think they were too outgunned rebounding wise. But even then, like they closed a lot of games early in the season with surge at the five. And while the crunch time offense wasn't particularly good, I'm not sure how much of a role he had to play in that. I think a lot of that was just, like, the way they were playing in general, and there was a lot of just ISO stuff. Um, and, and, like, I, I'm not sure... I don't think Serge has a lot of sort of burden to bear for what happened to the crunch time offense early in the season. And I thought, like, in those situations, I remember looking at the numbers early on in the year, and, like, his defensive rebounding numbers as the five closing games were pretty comparable to Jonas's when he played center. And so he was doing the job that you needed him to do in those situations, um, but like they just they didn't go to that all that often. I think Jonas playing better kind of kept that from happening as well. But now you're in this situation where you're kind of stuck with a, a pretty crowded front court in a league that is skewing towards wings and not really all that many options of going small because you just need to get guys minutes and like p- politics will play because both Jonas and Serge are well paid and like you can't just not play one of those guys and I don't think you can move one of those guys to the bench either maybe you can maybe you can convince Jonas that a bench unit wor- bench role works for him and maybe you bring in Pirtle but like then the Pirtle Yabaka front court was garbage all season long so I don't know I'm not sure you want to do that um but and like I don't know. I think there's a, a way in which Abaka can exist on this team as like a full time five, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. But I, I think just with the way the roster is constructed, I'm not sure you can really do that. So then you get into the question of like, you mentioned, do you just offload Surge and just sort of cut your losses and say, all right, like we'll attach something to get rid of him? But they already did that with Damari Carroll last summer and like it didn't work out. And you would rather have, yes, it was just the 29th overall pick, but you'd like to have that right now if you're the Raptors, whether it's to offload Surge or to uh, to make your own pick because they've been so good drafting in that part of the draft. Um, Which is a real shame, too, on Damari Carroll, because if he would have been on the, the team this year, that would have fit his game so much better. Yeah, almost. it almost feels like the culture reset thing like didn't really take into account that he would kind of fit into the new style. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the I mean, contract played, and you had, you had to sign Surge and stuff, but what's that, sorry? Yeah, he was he was obviously not in a good place with Kyle and Damar and how the team kind of treated him, and I, he yeah. probably wanted out anyways. But yeah, if they could have stuck that out, I mean, yeah. that would have interesting because then you can definitely go with if you want to have surge at the five and you still had a damari carroll type to play at the four that that's i'd probably not really make a difference against lebron yeah it's at least an interesting look to think about i guess for the raptors it was kind of one or the other right or like yeah you either you either keep carroll and tucker and that cuts into how much time you're giving to pascal and og and stuff like that or you just bring surge and then just skew young for the rest of the roster and ultimately i think the way they did it it worked. worked out and like I don't know. What was your response last summer when Serge was signed to the contract? Because, like, I understood it, and I didn't really have that. Like, yes, it was expensive, but they kept it to three years. It wasn't, like, a crazy long deal or anything like that. 
And, like, what he showed in the playoffs last year encouraged me big time. And just, like, I thought him not being in the garbage hole that is Orlando was pretty good for him last year. And, like, I still think there's something there. I really do. And, like, I'm probably going to get burned by it. But I think to look at, like, the six or seven games in the playoffs where he was absolute garbage and unplayable, like... I'm not sure that is the best sort of indicator of what surge the player is. And, like, if that happens in the playoffs again, yes, that's a problem. But maybe a year from now you're more sort of equipped to deal with that, Whether if Pascal's a little bit better or OG's a little bit better or I, I don't know. But, like, I, I like surge is going to be on this team next year. I, I think, like, would you agree with that? And I, I, I asked you a question and then just went on a tangent. But like, so <laughs> yeah, well, so let's thing, go back right? to the like, contract and, like, yeah. Like, do you think... Like, what was your response when the contract happened? Because the revisionist history has been all like, oh, man, what a garbage decision by the Raptors. But, like, at the time, it made a lot of sense. Well, and last year, I think I was way more concerned from a fan's perspective of, I hope they don't end this team now. Yeah. And, like, because, yeah, you got swept by the Cavs, but the year before that, they had, like, pushed them to sit. I guess push is a lightly used term, but, like, they won the two home games. So... Mm -hmm. You kind of thought, like, okay, they bring Serge back, they bring Kyle back, maybe they get a couple pieces, and then we can actually play against the Cavs and at least make it a competitive series. So, I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, like you said, it's not crazy expensive. It's obviously not cheap. Mm -hmm. But he's a guy that has that reputation. Like, he was an all-star. So you're not going to get him cheap. And I think that the fact that it was only three years with the Lowry contract, too, they kind of have this defined window of we're going to use these three guys as our core, we're going to go at it for three more years, and then after that, if we tear it down, we tear it down. Um you can't really it's it's easy to judge a guy based on six games and say that contract is a complete overpay but then like you're saying you're just completely saying the playoffs are all that matters and the regular season is irrelevant so i don't know i think you kind of have to stick it out now and it's what's the point of really trading him when you only have lowry for the two more years like just taking ibaka off this team and getting back someone that's probably i guess you could say a lesser player and you had to give up more just to get that is it really worth it the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And the other thing too, I guess, is like, I don't think, I don't think the option is there to like get rid of Jonas and then just say, all right, Serge is our full-time five. Because as I alluded to. I don't think he's going to want to do that either. He's not a good rebounder. He no. has some and issues there. It's better as a small spurts kind of lineup. And it's super effective in those small spurts, but it has to be like matchup based, I think. Yeah, if he had to bang against traditional centers or whatever teams are using as their five-man uh, most nights, I think that would wear him down even more yeah. than he can kind of do now and get hit on guys who aren't really driving and attacking him in the paint and trying to bang bodies for rebounds. So I also don't think if they told him, like, we need you to be a five, he could say sure, but I don't. the, the kind of personality it seems like he has is very kind of reactionary. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I don't know if that would exactly go over that well. Yeah, um, so like the whole Jonas thing, like I, I think Josh Lewinberg was talking about this on the radio a couple days ago, and like if you're gonna trade someone from the core, Jonas is probably the guy because he he played well enough this season that you're probably gonna get reasonable value back for him, even though 
that's tricky because the center market has been so stagnant for the last you know couple of years. Like it might you might not get anything back, but I think the way he played, he only has two years left on his deal. You probably um, wouldn't have to attach something you like to get rid. Absolutely, of Absolutely, yeah. That's probably the thing, right? Like if you yeah. trade Demar, which like I'm not against the idea of trading Demar, but it has to be for something like that's actually going to keep your team good because I think there's a real you know you could actually be a pretty good team next season if you keep Kyle, trade Demar for parts and sort of mm-hmm. run it back with a different sort of look, um, then you risk Kyle sort of breaking down again and all yeah. that stuff. But, like, that that's other stuff we'll deal with. But, um, like, the you can't – if you trade Jonas, which seems like, again, the most – not even just, like, the most likely or the best move, just, like, the easiest move if you're trying to move salary to, say, keep Fred or whatever. Um, and that's, I think, probably the biggest reason why they would try to move somebody at this point. Like, yeah. I, I don't think they'll have a problem paying the tax, but – um, who knows? I'm not in their pockets, but uh, like if they're trying to move a big contract to sort of free up some tax room, Jonas is the guy. But if that happens, there's even there's that much more sort of burden placed upon Ibaka's shoulders to not suck ass next year, and like that's dangerous. And and like even if you say, all right, we'll just start yak. Like again, the yak Ibaka front court has been bad. <laughs> Uh, like you can't like the Abaka Siakam front court. I, I have high hopes for that, but again, more of as a small small unit type of thing. So I think again, the most likely thing is they just run it back, keep Surge, keep Jonas, pay a lot of money, probably keep Fred because offer sheets never happen unless it's the Nets, and the Nets have D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin and stuff. So maybe they're not in the market for that. Um, and so like I, I think they're probably going to be very expensive next season. Surge is going to have the same sort of responsibility to be the starting four and, like, figure into some small ball five lineups, I guess. Um, but, like, yeah. Like, this is not... It's not changing, I don't think. Like, what's the scenario you see in which the Raptors end up being able to move Surge? And, like, is there a team even that you could see, like, reasonably talking themselves into? Maybe not even just, like, a team that's taking on salary, but just, like, a team that could say, all right, we're a Surge Ibaka away from being good. I, yeah, I don't even know if it would be a surge unless he plays well next year and some team that's dying to get into a playoffs. Like, say Phoenix yeah. has some early success or one of these teams near the top, or Memphis maybe. Like, just a team that really needs to get into the playoffs because due to their fan base, their market, whatever, thinks that, hey, we need a stretch four. We've seen it from them before. We'll take it on. Sure, why not? I think if it's if you do move him, it's not going to be during the summer because you can kind of – sell him better off at the deadline next year when he's a UFA in 2020. Yeah. And then you're at least on the per- the team's only renting for a year technically, but I I think yeah, as of right now there's no real plans for them to be able to unload him. I think if anything like you said it's either JV or or Norm is the guy that they move along. And like I'd be hesitant to move Norm too because like wings are important. We've seen it these entire playoffs and mm-hmm. like there's still got to be something there from him. Like he's not as bad as he was this season. I don't believe that. No, he was kind of a victim of circumstance with just the way it came together and getting buried in the rotation with that injury and then yeah. the emergence of Fred, right? So And OG, like I don't yeah. think anyone expected OG to be this good as we talked about no. yesterday, but um was in your estimation was Surge the biggest reason why the Raptors couldn't do shit against the Cavs? Cuz for me I think he is. No. No? You would say yes? I think he... I think it's it's maybe two for me. What was number one? DeMar. Yeah, I guess, but like there and were games the, where the, they... The, 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 the team just kind of absolutely falling apart as soon as things started to go wrong. Yeah. Co- collectively. For me, I think it was Serge not being able to play the five and guard Kevin Love. Like we all thought he was probably going to be able to do, and we talked all season about the Serge-Pascal front court 
kind of saving that for the Cavs series and that being sort of the one little antidote you could throw at the Cavs and say like, all right, you're going to go small. We're going to do this and we're going to match you offensively and probably be better defensively than you are. And that just didn't work out. He was not able to do that. And and like part of that is maybe on Casey for starting Jonas and playing him against Kevin Love and he just didn't have the chops to sort of guard the sort of the Corver Love screening actions they were running and all that stuff. But um, yeah, like there's just... Surge was so necessary to what the Raptors were supposed to do in this series, and for him to just completely disappear, there was no recovering from that because no player could replicate his skill set. And like the just sort of the difference between peak Surge and really bad Surge is so vast, and just like dictates the outcome of the Raptors and just sort of how the Raptors look and how potent they look so much that. I don't think you could handle having bad surge in that series. I, I, I as as bad as Demar was late in the series, especially um, you know getting benched in Game Four. Like I think surge being unplayable for all but one half was sort of the bigger the bigger thing that kind of screwed the Raptors because like you needed him so badly because you knew Jonas was going to struggle with love and you knew the Cavs were going to go small and it just it 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 killed them. It absolutely killed them and they got by in Game One a little bit even though surge was pretty bad again. Um, because Kevin Love missed shots, but like he just he had nothing, and I think for me it's the biggest reason they lost that series, and and not even that they lost it, that they weren't close. Like they, like he yeah. was a key to that, and like that's why you acquire that dude, and it just didn't work out that way. And uh, I can't really point blame to anyone else as much as I can Serge, and like maybe Serge is the reason Dwayne Casey doesn't have a job right now. I really do think like you could. <laughs> I really don't think it's crazy to say that. Like, he was so bad and so unplayable. Like, getting benched for the second half of Game 2, like, it just... It's inexcusable, man. Like, you can't be the third best player... The third highest played player on a team and be unplayable like that, especially when your skills are so required for a certain matchup. Like, against the Wizards, maybe you could have dealt with Surge not being as good because you can just sort of go small around Jonas or whatever, but against the Cavs, he was so necessary to that matchup. And just laid an egg, and I, I think he's the biggest reason they lost. Totally. I mean, I, yeah, it's a very compelling case right there. And I mean, uh, if they ever want to be considered serious contenders, which I don't even know if that's that's possible at this point, due to all the embarrassments they've had, uh, they need Surge to play at uh, not quite All Star level, but very high starter level and I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to get back to that it doesn't even need to be high starter level again what he did in the regular season is fine like could have been useful against the Cavs he was just so much less than that in the playoffs and I don't know what to make of it maybe he was hurt I don't know um but uh, we should probably leave it there I suppose like so last thing I suppose uh out of, like percentage wise what do you think are the odds he's back on the Raptors next season I'm going to say for the beginning of the year, I will go between like 80 and 90%. And then within the season, there's probably a decent chance. Dep- uh, I guess depending on how the, the season goes, but I don't really know at this point what Masai and the front office would consider like any reason to like make a deal, right? Because like after you go number one and lose the way you did, what do you consider like a, a point where you're at the point to sell or whether you want to buy? Um, but I think there's a there's a non-zero chance he could get moved next year during the season. I think there's a 95% chance he's back for the 2017-18 year. And, like, next summer is probably the, the time. 18-19 year. Yeah, sorry, yeah. You mean, yeah, yeah. I think next summer is probably the time where he gets moved, if at all. Because that's the pivot point for this Raptors core as it is, right? Like, right. That, like, that's the other thing, too, is... 
We were supposed to face this surge question next year after this year was a bit of a sort of developmental and sort of, you know, maybe don't be quite as good as they were this year type of season. Um, but all these questions got accelerated because they were as good as they were in the regular season and as bad as they were in the playoffs. And that's uh, just sort of the nature of the beast, I suppose. But uh, What about Ibaka for Biombo straight up? Oh, my God. <laughs> I would rather Serge Ibaka. Thank you. At least Bismack is more lovable. Yeah, although the the Vice Sports thing, that was cool. It's, it spoke to me a little bit. That I was think cool. he ate. I think he ate too much, and he was just lugging around. A I really think cool he food. didn't have enough fumbois. He needed some more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next Sasha deep dive. He ran out two. of it in games two, <laughs> three, and four in Cleveland, and, and that uh, was the drop off. Yes, uh, his okay. worst plus minus of the series was a minus twelve against the Cavs in game four. Uh, that uh, I think is entirely sort of. An indicator that the Fumbwa had run out. The leftovers were eaten. Um, he had leftovers for Game Three, and that was it. <laughs> or whatever, whatever R and B singer he was Snapchatting cut him off. That's also very much an option. Yeah. Uh, so to sum up, Surge was uh, maddeningly inconsistent and terrible in the playoffs. He's probably coming back next season, and there's nothing Ooh. you can really do about it. And uh, he is going to remain a bit of a clog to the front court rotation. Good times. Uh, Buy the surge stock low. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. You know he's going to come out in game one of the regular season next year and have, like, 21, 11 rebounds, four blocks. He'll shoot six of eight from three. And he'll be like, oh, he's back. And then he'll go for – he'll miss the next game because his knee hurts or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, if you could put a futures bet on that right now, I would, I would put some <laughs> money down. Uh, all right, man. I think that's probably going to do it. Mitch, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything like that? Uh, no, just download the Score app. We got fun people writing stuff and keeping you updated on all the news. So download it. Pay my bills, please. Shouts to you for ensuring that Blake Murphy got the shout for reporting the Jerry Stackhouse news. Uh, appreciate right. that. Right. Yeah. Felt was... that was important in my alert. Shout <laughs> out one, uh, one of our own. Yep. Um, and yeah, for me, just Twitter at Woodley Sean. Listen to yesterday's podcast with Matt Shantz about OG Ananobi. Much happier than this one was. Um, and I don't know. I should probably write some stuff soon, but maybe I won't. We'll see. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. summer. Yeah. Well, what's the like? There's not even any draft stuff to do, right? So I don't even know what the hell to write. But there will be some stuff at some point, I'm sure. Uh, so stay tuned for the that. Raptors summer league team projection. You can do. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm good. All set. <laughs> I again, I have a vacation booked from July fourth to the fifteenth. I'm gonna miss all the good shit, so that'll be that's good. perfect. Yeah, I, Just I mean, detox. I might have to have someone take over the podcast during that time, but uh, oh, yeah, find a little. All you aspiring journalists out there. <laughs> I mean, it'll probably be one of the regular <laughs> regular co-hosts, but um, yeah, that's uh. That's going to do it, I think, man. I think uh, we have covered everything about Serge Ibaka that there is to cover. We'll be back again uh, Thursday with another episode. We're talking to Vivek Jacob. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Another happy one. So we'll sandwich the bad in between two good. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. And we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.